0: Welcome to the Warrior Women Project podcast, helping you become a Warrior Woman, start your shit, and find better balance in your life.
1: So in today's podcast I have the very amazing Mandy Jones from the Empowered Women Project. Now during the recording of this podcast we did have a couple of technical hitches um, where the screens froze so when that happened we tried as much as we could to stop the conversation so that the recording didn't get too distorted so apologies for any wee bits that we missed. Um, you will get the gist of the conversation because we try to recover any parts that we missed once the screen had unfrozen but technology as it is we do what we can with the time that we have. The information that's on this podcast is phenomenal and it's very very important to the conversations that we're having just now on social media around people that are or are not influencing us and our decisions in life and what sort of things are being advertised out there. We also get into some conversation about um, mental health and what it's like when you try to take your own life and how you can potentially recover from that and being able to speak out and actually ask for help. So enjoy today's podcast and we will see you on the other side. Hi so welcome to another episode of the Warrior Women Project podcast. This is Warrior Woman Jen here and today I am very excited to have the guest that I have on today. So today I have Mandy Jones from the Empowered Women Project. So Mandy welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm very excited to have you here because our our pre-recording chat was awesome so it'll be even better now that we are going to have it moving however it moves. <laughs> so why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a little bit about what it is that you do.
0: Yes, of course. So um, as Jen said there, I am Mandy Jones and I founded the Empowered Women Project in March after my mental health took a bit of a turn for the worse. Um, So I found myself all of a sudden in hospital and without anywhere to go or anything to do and writing sort of became something that I just decided to do and from there lots of other women have also shared their stories whether it be about mental health or other things that they're dealing with where there wasn't like a platform to talk about it and yeah it's just sort of sort of kind of grown from there so it's mainly an online community we do events here and there but um I'm really enjoying kind of providing that community it's good
1: yeah It's very inspirational. When I first came across it, I was like, oh, what's she doing? Oh, this looks interesting. This looks good. And obviously, the more I followed you, the more I've been like, yeah, I totally get where she's going with this. I absolutely love what it is that you're doing. So you've done a few events. You did a couple of events in Glasgow and in Dundee. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were those days like? The events? What were they like? Yeah, yeah. What was the setup of them and things like that?
0: Yes so the first event that we ever had was actually in Edinburgh Um, and what my initial plan was was to do the Empowered Women Project on and then kind of cover some different topics so just like allow free conversation to go. Um, But the first event was on social media so that was really interesting because we had four guest speakers looking at social media from all different angles. I think the most interesting thing that came from that event was one girl shared her story of online abuse and leaving an abusive relationship and actually how to keep yourself safe online. So it's so easy to set up new profiles all over the place and access somebody if you want to online. So it's about keeping yourself safe online. So that's something I never thought we would um, cover. Um, And then our event in Glasgow was more about body positivity. So again, looking at a totally different thing that women do deal with a lot and uh, One of your previous guests, Sarah, was actually one of our guest speakers there. And just talking about how different things can can improve your confidence and the way you feel in yourself, like even your stance and and how you present yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like Sarah talked a lot about this um power pose which you know if you set yourself up you can even bring different energy into the room or to a conversation which um is really lasted with a lot of the people that came along to the event so yeah they've been really cool and uh, you know as much as it's my project i'm learning all the time from it if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah i think those those things like staying safe on social media and on online and how you present yourself are such important conversations because because everything is so digital now and Everything we post photographs of everything, and quite often we don't even think about the things that we're posting. That you, because it's not something that you would ever consider, like you, if you're the type of person that would never do anything bad or underhand, you kind of forget that there's a group of people out there that might do that to you, and you just quite naively or innocently miss that.
0: Absolutely, and it was interesting to hear from Amy. You know, and Amy's very proactive in talking about this, so she won't mind me saying so. It was very interesting to hear from her just all the different ways in which this person would try to reach her. You know, so we think about, obviously, Facebook, Twitter, the usual suspects, Instagram. You can block somebody, but just as quickly they can set up a new profile and access you again. Or you Mm -hmm. can even go as far to go LinkedIn or, you know, it just stretches so far. And actually, yeah, it's about being careful and mindful about what you post and what you share. I'm I'm the worst for it. I post everything, pictures of my front door, pictures I'm on holiday. And my mum will say to me, like, OK, the world knows exactly what you're doing at all times. If somebody wants to stalk you, they could. So it's just about it was good to actually just be reminded of that because we can get so blessed about what we share about our lives online, you know
1: yeah I know my mum said that to me before as well she's like you've posted and told everybody you're on holiday somebody
0: might break into your house yeah (laughs) and it's so true you don't even think you just go I'm away on my holidays but actually someone somewhere isn't on a holiday they're not as lucky and they're sat thinking hmm okay she's away
1: (laughs) yeah you have to also wonder what's going through the heads of the people at the other side if they realise the damage that they're causing I've got a friend who a few times has had people set up dating profiles for her and things like that and it's got nothing to do with her she's got a boyfriend she now lives in Australia and she's got this other life but there's people here that are just doing these really nasty things and you just think do they even consider what it is that they are doing and how damaging that, that can actually be
0: absolutely and online is just it provides such an easy platform for people to do that unfortunately and channel 4 have actually been running a series of small ads which just basically look at people that have been in recent adverts and the abuse that they've taken online. So basically, actors who've been in adverts and the racial abuse they've taken or or sexist abuse that they've taken and it's from faceless people who can just you know type something on a keyboard but actually seeing that visually and I did a post the other day where I just put my you know an image of me with a lot of the things that I've been called online and it just makes it so it's so impactful because when somebody can just say a word so quickly but they don't know how long that lasts with someone or how much you take the home you know someone set up a profile um recently on instagram and just called me narcissist called me vile and that person doesn't know me but that stuff that was really hurtful and mm. you know they, they don't know the impact that that might have on the person it's too easy it's too easy
1: yeah yeah it is definitely it's um it's quite scary and i think if because when people they always talk about oh, if you confront a bully then they'll stop but when it's a keyboard warrior it's <laughs> you the, don't stand a yeah, chance yeah yeah they just go so they deserve it or whatever and it's like are you kidding me on mm-hmm. exactly so something else that you have running at the moment is a petition can you tell the listeners a little bit more about that and we can put the links to the petition and to the podcast notes after so that anybody else can sign up
0: That would be wonderful. Thank you so much for addressing it. Basically, um, about two weeks ago now, it was the final straw for me. I saw something come up like a sponsored ad on my Instagram and it featured somebody (coughs) from the programme Geordie Shore. Um, And basically it was a partnership with a brand, a paid partnership. So this individual has been paid for this ad a paid partnership between herself and a company called Skinny Coffee Club. Now, before I even go into why I started a petition to end these paid partnerships, the name in itself is already damaging, right? It's using that word skinny to sell a product. It's just a word that shouldn't even be used anymore or glorified or put on a pedestal. So this image that had been shared was a before and after. And in the before image, the individual is in poor lighting. She's got her clothes kind of pulled down. She's not got any makeup on. She looks sad. And in the after image, which is supposedly after using this product, which she's been paid to talk about, she's got full makeup on. She's smiling. She's had her leggings pulled up. Somebody's photoshopped her waist in and her bum out to create this cartoon-like ideal that people are supposed to aspire to. However, it's not even real. So the petition really is to try and call out these community guidelines on Facebook and Instagram and even to, to go to the Advertising Standards Authority and say, where are the guidelines here? I know that it's all new stuff that's coming out, but there needs to be something in place that means these images aren't reaching the young fans of these women. Whether these women think they're role models or not, they are. You know, Holly, the one in particular has 3.7 million followers, most of whom are young women.
1: Yes. Um,
0: people are literally dying on the operating table trying to replicate something which doesn't exist.
1: Yeah, yeah, because we were talking about that before. Um, we hit record, but the girl you is a friend of a friend mm-hmm. um, who died in Turkey, is it Turkey? Um, Turkey the operating table. Because people are going to foreign countries to get procedures that they can't afford to get here because they're much more expensive here and then you don't know who it is that's going to do it when you get to the other side you don't know the standards that you're getting and it's kind of terrifying that people are feeling that insecure about themselves first of all that they feel that they need to go to get an operation but then the extreme that they're going to to go to another country and put their put their life at risk and in this case that's what happened Oh, I'll be frozen. We <laughs> will so pause. Oh, you're back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, good old internet freezing on us. <laughs> Technology. Um, no, you're you're quite right. And the thing is. Um, this, it's not, it's real life. This woman's left a young family behind. She couldn't particularly afford the operation, so she's gone to a foreign country to have the operation. She's now died. And um, actually, um, her family members shared the petition last night as well because mm-hmm. they've seen it on Facebook and they also believe, um, believe in it. And the, the thing is, it's just these brands are literally buying into women's insecurities. They're literally feeding off of these insecurities and it's just wrong. Um, And I think that celebrities and influencers online, whether they like it or not, like I've said, have a social obligation to young women to not take these partnerships on, you know? I'm sure there's other people that could partner with, clothing companies, whatever, but actually with these brands that say, lose 16 pounds in a week, let's not, let's just stop that. That's dangerous.
1: really
0: really dangerous yeah I mean
1: there's other people are doing similar things to you like um, Jamilia Jamil she's a big advocate of calling people out and pushing forward for these um, for the advertising standards and the celebrities to be more responsible which is what we need because like you say whether these people like it or not they're a role model they've put themselves in the public eye whether they've gone on a reality TV show, whether they're kicking a football up and down a football pitch, whatever it is that they're doing, people look up to them and admire them.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's even the same for us. Like we have people who follow us and yet our followers might be smaller scale, but we still have a responsibility of what are we sharing? What are we saying? What do we look like when we show up?
0: Absolutely and it doesn't matter you know I'm not saying these celebrities need to stop doing what they want to do do what they want to do have the surgery change themselves but don't promote that as a way to success or a way to confidence Mm -hmm. it's just not right and I think as well like I I was saying to you before we, we hit record there like young women are actually looking at this body shape and these body ideals as a way to success like I said to you before we're not talking about women who've used their minds to achieve things or we're not talking about what women have to say we're just talking about what they look like and if it's really damaging if women are attributing that look to success directly does that make sense yeah
1: yeah because we're we're trying to move forward like the feminist movement trying to be more equal but sex is always going to sell that's when I read um Thinking grow rich, quick the Napoleon Hill book, which was written like hundred something years ago, and it's just <laughs> full of these men using their sexual power to um, to sell. And I remember reading the book and being really offended by it. I'm
0: like, how have we not moved on over a hundred years later? But yeah, okay, You're right You're so right. I was looking at a pile of vintage magazines the other day um, in a coffee shop and it was really nice because it was so old and even the lipstick was like 30 pence. And I was like, oh, my God, when was this? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But... um Some of these adverts were so sexist and you just think it is literally, it's been around forever. You know, some of the adverts were like, I'll find her in the kitchen or you should look good for your man. Literally as clear as that. And you're like, really, we've just put it all online and and we're doing it in more subtle ways. But even last week, you'll have seen yourself with with Ariana Grande. Uh, She was basically sexually harassed uh, in front of everybody. And we said it was her fault for wearing a short skirt, and then Demi Lovato, we say actually it's her fault because she did it herself. We're very quick to put the blame on the women. We just are as a society, and it's it's really damaging.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I I know when we've spoken about sexual assault in the past, or well, the the women were dressed in a particular way, or they said something, or they had their makeup done a particular way, or they smiled, and it's Mm -hmm. like, hang on a minute, when did since when did I smile? become a a green light for sexual assault nothing
0: is I I think we just need to stop thinking it just it is what it is because we need to start calling guys out I think the worst cat call I ever had in my life was I was walking to work in Glasgow a couple of years ago and a man shouted out of a work van to me show me what you piss with I don't even think I could I don't even think I could think of a more degrading and I didn't even want to say it there but it's important that to, to, to discuss that these things are happening on a day-to-day basis yeah. and that you don't find anything wrong with that. Or some men, I'm not saying all men. But, you know, um, like you say, I wear full night out makeup every day and shove glitter on my face. It's not an invitation for catcalling. It's not an invitation for um, uh, touching or harassment. Like, we should be free to dress how we want. If I want to wear a miniskirt every day, that's my prerogative, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was having a conversation with my friend yesterday actually she's an author and she writes fiction crime fiction and in one of the scenes in the book a girl was on a date with the guy who turned out to be the serial killer and he had said oh I'll give you a lift to wherever and in the book she was she at the sort of side text was she felt really uncomfortable but she didn't want to offend him by saying no so she put herself in a dangerous situation which then she nearly got assaulted and when Claire was out doing a book tour she was talking to somebody who was in the police and they said that that happens so often where the women will not want to offend whether it's a man or somebody else they'll be too polite and they'll put themselves into dangerous situations that are unnecessary and sometimes you can find yourself saying yes to something where you really want to say no but you just don't want to offend anybody.
0: Sorry, you just froze again I there. Put you again. back. <laughs> Did you hear anything? No, yeah. No, it's absolutely true. Um, we don't want to say anything. But I've even felt like that myself before. In sort of big corporate situations, you maybe think somebody's being inappropriate, but A, they're in a position of power. So how do I call them out? And B, maybe I'm just flattering myself. That's a really damaging thing that I think I've thought a lot. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. But
1: sometimes if these people have never been told no this isn't right they think that it's all right because nobody's ever called them out on it so yeah yeah yeah. that's absolutely right as much as in our head socially we can say how do they not know but if nobody's ever said to said that's bang out of order what you've said because people can say things just off the cuff Mm -hmm. passing comment and they might not have meant things in an inappropriate way but it's come across completely differently so, exactly. it's having the strength and being brave enough to open that conversation to say, listen, the way you've spoken to me, or the way you've looked at me, or the way you've Like, you I'm okay
0: with me that. Mm-hmm. It's unappro- inappropriate. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, totally. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've frozen again. I'm going oh, to.
0: hope you come back soon. You've yes, frozen. <laughs> hurry up, hurry up.
1: You're back. <laughs> right, so, with the empowered move. The empowered women Mo- project movement are. you've are just me- come back sorry start again <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to get too many words in there so the empowered women project movement what do you want that to be like what's the dream for that to achieve
0: The dream for the Empowered Women Project is to become a fully functioning uh, social enterprise so what I really would like to do is go into places that can't really afford it and open up conversations about mental health. I want to like make, I want to make that super accessible. I think It's really hard because ever since I came out of hospital and I started doing a bit of campaigning, I've been invited to a fair amount of um, associations for mental health and actual um, places where people are referred to. And they've asked me the question, like, you know, is this, how is this service? And I've just been really honest, like a lot of the places I've visited are dated or... Or you know not very welcoming for someone of my age or even younger so i 'm twenty eight but the mental health association that I was invited to the only activities that they offer for people who are in recovery and trying to grow are maybe like gardening and things, and that's maybe not that 's maybe not something I would stick with. I know myself if I was referred there by the GP. I would kind of stick around for two weeks and then I'd go, I'm not actually comfortable here. I don't like it. So what I really want to do is try and create more open spaces that bridge the gap between, they're not clinical, but they're more hangouts. They're more communities where people can just talk. So that was what my um, Dundee venture was. It was called No Filter. Yeah. And it was just about kind of dropping the fil- dropping the shit from online, you know, mm-hmm. I swear. Um, and it just does. actually coming yes. to us. Yes. <laughs> It's over 18, hopefully. <laughs> um, just- <laughs> <laughs> going into a space where they can talk, and lots of conversations came from that. You know, and these are maybe individuals who don't need or don't feel they need medical help, but they just need somewhere, like somewhere else that isn't in their own circle to be heard and to be seen. And that's really kind of been the overall message of the project is helping others feel seen and heard because those are things I definitely didn't feel when I wanted to end my life. Yeah, yeah, and it it's a
1: difficult thing for. It's becoming slightly less taboo now to talk about that. That more people are coming out and saying, I've tried to take my own life. I have but had. it's still very taboo, do you think? Yeah. I mean, people are still like freaked out talking about it, like, you know? Yeah, because if somebody says, Oh, yeah, I tried to take my own life, there's almost a silence of nobody actually knows what to say next because you don't want to go, or oh, are you okay? Or, Well, oh, that's a shame.
0: Or, it, It's like, What's the next? What's the next? How do you respond? But I think what's really interesting is recently, you know, the lead singer from Linkin Park took his own life and his wife has been very vocal in sharing kind of his last few days. You know, she shared a video of him the night before he did what he did. He's laughing, playing games with his children. like, And I think that that message is really, really loud, that there's no face and no real symptoms visually um, of somebody who is who is suicidal I know myself that leading up to the point where I did just want to disappear it was very easy for me to you know makeup on post a happy life online tell people I was fine but actually behind closed doors was I okay and that's why as well like I was living on my own so I probably didn't have anybody around me to see the kind of deterioration so that's why again a message I try and spread is that just ask people if they're okay you know from time to time if somebody goes a bit quiet or haven't been themselves like it doesn't take two minutes to say how are you doing you know and you might just open you might just become a lifeline to that person but then again it is difficult to talk I know that. Until I came out the other side, and now I'm medicated and getting help, and I feel so much better. But until that point, I probably wouldn't have admitted I was struggling. I I was too proud, you know. Yeah,
1: and if you worked out what your triggers were, what what was the downward start of the downward spiral for you?
0: I absolutely know what this what the absolute start was. So I think my whole life, if I was being honest, I've probably struggled with my mental health. Um however i never took ownership of that and that's something that uh, is really important i think last march was the kind of the kind of light the kind of straw that broke the camel's back i think so last march i was involved in a fire in my flat and the night of the fire um i won't go into too much detail but my marriage basically ended yeah. and my pet died in the fire it was a great deal of trauma in one night yeah, and I think that after that I just felt this need to be like I'd lost everything but I felt this need to hold it all together that everyone thought I was strong and positive and how's she coping and you know I felt this yeah. need to almost live up to the online persona you know and for who though I don't really know why and anyway this went on and on and on but you know I was deteriorating from March last year into March this year when I was ready to just leave I think I just I think I just hadn't been addressing what I was dealing with. So, you know, now I have been diagnosed with anxiety, post-traumatic stress stress disorder and borderline personality disorder. And there are a lot, it's a lot of stuff and a lot of words. But again, I think it's important not to let, it's important to go, okay, I fit those criteria. That's fine. I understand that I've got that problem. But the word disorder in itself is damaging. I don't like to think of myself as broken or disordered. Like I've got those things. I see very well that I fit the criteria for those things. And I'll take the medication, thank you very much. But it's not, that's not me. I'm Mandy, and all those things make me me, but I'm not my disorder, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you're not using it as your branding. Exactly, or exactly absolutely not. And I think it's important that everybody realises that, that. And again, you know, my experience of anxiety might be completely different to someone else's experience of anxiety. And that's why the conversations are so important because it's not a physical thing that we, we can actually look at and go, that is x y and z it's important to open up our different experiences you know when I found it difficult to go to the checkout in a supermarket like my palms would be sweat and I would nearly pass out and all because of the the hype of going to pay for my shopping someone else might have felt that when they're on their own so it's about different triggers and discussing those between different people you know and different coping mechanisms as well you know yeah and finding what works for you yeah, or hearing what works for other people and trying them yourself, and you know, even the stuff that you said to me earlier about um, listening to your body and stuff like that—that is something for me to really go away and think about because I've never really considered that before. You know, something as simple as actually just tuning into you. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I think we miss out on that. And
1: I mean, I can totally relate to what you're saying about when your marriage ended and having to put on that face of positivity. So I, my marriage ended in 2010. And because I was the happy, lucky, high energy, I could deal with anything. That was what I felt like I had to keep going with. And mm-hmm. for nine or 10 months, I partied really hard because that's how I coped. Just, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But I was wasted pretty much the whole time. And then it wasn't until I did a detox, I found myself under the kitchen table, like crying on control of going I don't know what's wrong with me I don't know what's wrong with me but it was because I had decided randomly to do this detox so there was no drink there was no junk food there was no nothing and then there was all this emotion that I had buried down but mm-hmm. there was I had a flatmate at the time who was my really good friend and we were business partners so she she could see so she was kind of like there to go right okay we need to do something to help and yeah. I knew yeah. people to reach out to to say I'm doing some pretty mental shit just now I need help, but you have to go, you
0: have to say that to somebody. That's it, and when I look back, I think I wouldn't have, so I probably had similar, I probably had similar moments to you, but behind closed doors and nobody saw them so for me it was too easy to paint on a face and go out and face everybody and if, if anybody said are you okay of course I was too proud to say like of course I am you know but then that's not to say I wasn't going home and yeah sculling a bottle of wine or you know yeah. concealing. it's like concealing it all with a plaque like the wound doesn't go away if you just keep burying it it's gonna come it has to manifest itself somehow and that's what I've really learned from coming through this journey with my mental health is if you don't deal with it your body will literally deal with it somehow yeah You know,
1: that emotion that we think is just this ethereal thing is an actual energy within our bodies, and it will come out in anger, or it will come out in an illness, or Mm -hmm. it will come out in something. And
0: it's like, Mm -hmm. all right, okay, need to deal with this, (laughs) and you know. I know as, as cliche as it is and it's all around us at the moment it is okay not to be okay and actually um yeah taking ownership of that and being like okay I wasn't dealing with things very well but it doesn't make me a fear it's just part of the journey you know
1: oh you've frozen again
0: we froze again but I think you'll be back. back soon
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll just wait for your picture to unfreeze, so we don't miss any good chat <laughs>
0: Hello, you're back. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. What was I going to ask you next?
0: (laughs) Can't remember. We've talked about so much good stuff before. Do you want to hear about? Do you want to hear about my letters thing that I'm doing? I mean, that's quite. Yes. Yes. Um. So yeah. In collaboration with Glasgow Women's Library, I launched this thing where I asked women to write to their historical 18-year-old self because I did it and I found it really therapeutic. It was like, it was really like, it was a lot of closure. It's like writing to her, like, wow, after the journey I've been on, what would I say if I had the chance? And about 300 letters have come in now from across the globe, um, from people in all sorts of positions of power, doctors, lawyers, but also young mums and people who who haven't. um, So I think the nice thing actually about the, the nice thing about this um, kind of project as a standalone thing is that it's a writing experience that doesn't discriminate on ability. Does that make sense? So like, it's so accessible And I think that's what the Women's Library liked about it, too, is that absolutely anybody can sit down and have that moment of writing for themselves. And because writing has been such a coping mechanism and so therapeutic for me, I felt like it was nice to be able to share that with everybody that's what everybody's kind of taken away from it and um, I'm hoping to put an exhibition together at some point to showcase the letters because I feel like there's a lot of beautiful advice in there for younger women and actually when do we hear from so many different women who've had unique journeys uh, life advice you know yeah yeah definitely it'd be amazing if
1: you got them showcased because mm-hmm. it would just be fascinating to read through other
0: people's letters and absolutely and it's such a personal thing however somebody can always you know there's there's letters um from people who've grown up through the church or there's letters from people who've come through transitions with their gender there's all sorts of unique stories and I think for everybody there's something we can take from hearing about other people's journeys you know yeah
1: yeah and that's one of the reasons that I like doing interviews on this podcast is everybody's got their own story and everybody's got their own journey but there's so many there'll be something that's completely relatable
0: to everybody Absolutely. and it'll be a
1: different thing for everyone. And I think that's what you'll find in those letters is there'll be an underlying, everybody Feeling. feels not good enough, yeah. everybody's got fear, everybody and do you know, has.
0: And do you know what's interesting is even from as early as, I mean, there's women that have written to themselves who were 18 in the 60s. And even as far back as that, this, this kind of overriding theme of body confidence lacking mm-hmm. is just, astounding so it's not even just now it's just that now it's easier to it's easier to manipulate images and it's easier to create a false sense of something that people should look you know whereas years ago it just it was just in magazines we had the same stuff it just it wasn't online it was in magazines you know yeah
1: yeah and it feels
0: like it's more amplified now because you can't get away from it
1: it's on your phone it's on, right. your TV, it's on your tv it's in your magazines it's on every billboard
0: you can't you have to close your eyes to get away from it Mm -hmm. and that's another brand that you know um flat tummy company worked with kim kardashian earlier this year to launch their appetite suppressing lollipops and they had ads on times square where are the boundaries do you know what i mean i feel Where is the the standards authority that are saying, like, no to this sort of stuff? So hopefully the petition will allow us to get to a point where we're at least talking more about it. You know, I'm more than willing to challenge some of these celebrities and why they think that's okay. Um, And if they say they're not role models or they don't choose to be role models, well, like you say, they put themselves in the public eye. And therefore, unfortunately for them, if they don't want to be, they are, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: What would be the best situation to come out of this what would you like to see happen
0: I'd like to see that that pictures like this or if brands are deemed to be damaging based on what they claim to do I'd like there to just be some more uh sort of regulations so certain things won't pass through so that image of Holly which she's actually now deleted but the skinny coffee club have kept up I would like those to not be okay for Instagram, you know, for Instagram to say these don't meet our community guidelines because if a woman breastfeeding her child doesn't why should that, you know, cuz yes. what's damaging about something so natural, you know? Yeah, definitely I've lost you there temporarily again. <laughs> you come back. <laughs> <I'm> broken again. You're <laughs> here. here, you're back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean what's damaging about a woman breastfeeding her child that's something I would aspire to do if anything you know and so and I think think for
1: for people who want to breastfeed there's still a lot of people that feel really self-conscious about it and it's like this is the most natural thing in the world somebody at some point down the line has said no this isn't socially
0: acceptable when (laughs) like when the fuck did that happen I know, and similarly, you know, I'm very. It's very the same with the female nipple. You know, like free the nipple is still true. Why can we look at a male nipple? It's because we're so hypersexualized all the time by brands and online that we feel like we need to. I don't know. Adhere to all of that, but I'm so happy there's this big shift in um, representation of bodies happening. You know, um, and the bodies that we're seeing, you know, across the board are more diverse. Although we've still got a long way to go, and you know, even the petition, I hope it just dilutes some of these images or creates conversation. But there's still people who don't agree and who think it's fine and who'll buy into it. But I even want to question the retailers, I want to question people like Holland and Barrett who stock these sorts of brands. You know, yeah, it, it's not okay.
1: Yeah, where who
0: is it that needs to step up and say this is morally wrong? You know, yeah, who is it that needs to? There's so many people in question, but yet who does it really come down to? So even on the petition, it's kind of addressed to the Advertising Standards Authority and also Facebook and Instagram as a general. Yes. But I don't even, I feel like once I've got the signatures, I'll then take it from there and see who it needs to go to. You know, they're all valid signatures. Everybody's put a reason behind it. And for some people, it's been a very emotional thing because it's a family member they've lost that's yeah. um, kind of inspired them to sign. Yeah, because... I mean, even the people who have created it,
1: do they understand the damaging effect that it's gonna have? Because it's a very short term solution to
0: a very large long term problem that we have. Um, what worries me is that a lot of it's driven by money. So straight away when I see paid partnership, it angers me because there's actually been this money exchange like that. You know, even if even if that celebrity probably never used the brand, but you know, even then if they have, they've still had surgery and stuff. So for them to say this is achieved by using this product is false. Yeah.
1: yeah. And the fact that their picture is also Photoshop. It's just unachievable. <laughs> because I mean, I would I mean I would have thought trading standards have guidelines in place that the image has to be the genuine image, the results have to be genuine results. So how and what Terms does this not fall under that?
0: Yeah, that's so true. I have even considered. Yeah, trading standards are a big a big body that should be, you know, looking at these. But again, is it because it's social media and we've not really had this conversation yet? It's so new. It's all just coming now to the fore. Like maybe yeah. there just needs something more in place, but. I hope that it gets a bit more momentum, and um, and we can talk about it because I just think it's I just think it's completely wrong. And they actually the most shocking one um, wasn't even one of the Georgie Shore uh, stars. It was a CBBC presenter. Wow. Last week, who was uh, she? Done a paid partnership with the Skinny Coffee Club and said you should do the seven day weight loss program. And I just thought, right, where you know, just as I think there's an issue only affecting young people and young adults, it's actually you know being it's actually going to our children yeah
1: yeah and they say that they want to try and they want to stop advertising like sweets and stuff like that to the kids what are they doing replacing with diet
0: products mm-hmm. exactly it's it's very difficult. you know another thing that i learned from sarah barr was about being mindful of our language to children and again if if we're doing that well what's the point if they're looking at the screens and they're getting all of these um, difficult messages. Yeah.
1: And then if they are seeing their mum or their big sister or their auntie or whoever, they're going to meet
0: some sort of uh, ideal. Yeah, it's not real. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then if they're watching their parents as well, get surgery, get Botox, get fillers, doing whatever, they think that's what they are growing up, expecting that they are going to have to do. So this conversation can get, started now then they
0: can get understand hopefully that that's not the norm mm-hmm. and what are these young what are the, what is what are these young children meant to think when they are told that their mum died having an operation she opted to have yeah Do you know what I mean? I just can't even, it's the children I keep thinking of. Like, what are they meant to think? What kind of, you know, and she was already, and as her man has said in the headlines, she was already a very beautiful woman. What made her feel? And you know, I I, I fear that it is these sorts of celebrities um, portraying this certain image that made her feel she needed to get that to better herself. It's not nice. Yes, I remember when I was
1: younger, like, Probably even twenty years ago when Katie Price first came on. And she was around I think I've I think you're frozen again. Oh, you're back. <laughs> yeah, um when uh, Jordan, when she first came on on the scene, it's Katie Price and people used to slate her because of the job that she'd had. And it's like right, she was one of probably the first influencer type females on the scene. had some plastic Mm -hmm. surgery but she got a lot of slack for it Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden it's the norm it's perfectly
0: accepted. Mm -hmm. If anything Katie Price probably now in terms of the images of women we see she's probably less enhanced than some of them if that makes sense you Mm -hmm. know and that's a big bold statement but you know it's it's true.
1: Yeah and I think she even reversed had some of the stuff reversed that she'd had done Mm -hmm. like she had her implants taken out or downsized Mm -hmm. and has, I think, from what I remember, has openly
0: regretted
1: some of her surgeries.
0: Exactly. And another thing that I fear is that we don't really know, well, you know, people are dying because these are unsafe procedures. However, we don't really know the long-term effects of a lot of it. So I myself, probably a couple of years ago, had lip fillers, and I'm not afraid to, to say that. But again, that's because of these images that i would seen online. But we don't know the long-term effects. How, we don't know yet if maybe 10, 20 years down the line that will have some sort of reaction or, or like we just don't know. And even myself, I feel daft that I felt that I needed to do that. But the thing is, these influencers like the Kardashians and everything, thats they, they portray that that's okay. Like, so it is normalized, very normalized.
1: you have frozen again. <laughs> there you, there go. you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, Botox is a toxin that you put into a muscle to paralyze it. And people are told if they get this done when they are in their early 20s, it will stop them getting wrinkles when they get old. But mm-hmm. I, I guess done it's done something I've done myself. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what what is going to happen when you've caused, I mean, from what I would understand about anatomy and physiology from, from what I've studied, if you're putting a toxin into a muscle making it paralyzed making it paralyzed and then stop getting it done that's gonna that muscle's just gonna kind of collapse under your face if you've been getting that done
0: oh dear yeah yeah i you totally know. hear what you're saying and it's like yeah what what are the people going to look like in the future i know I think we need to change the, the conversation as well. So I try and think of it now, like I lost a friend of mine when she was only 19 to leukemia and I look back and I know she was 22. I was 19. She was 22 and I look back and I think like, age is a privilege denied to many so let's okay. just embrace how we are and how we look and the privilege we have to be alive and it sounds really deep for today but you know the miracle of us actually being alive is insane I read some odds the other day and I can't remember exactly what they were but the, the miracle and the chance of that guy and that woman at that time and that moment and it being you it's like we're, we're miracles so why don't yeah. we just enjoy every little moment that that we have you know yeah definitely
1: and it's we're bombarded with, you've got to have smooth skin, you've got to dye your hair so you don't go grey. The aging process is something that's going to happen because your body, over time, will gradually degenerate. But if you're fueling your body with good food and lots of water and plenty of rest and regular exercise, these, the aging process actually slows down. So when we are all out abusing alcohol, eating loads of sugar, processed foods, that speeds up the aging process, so our skin starts to look haggard at a much younger age. Then we have to do all this other stuff to try and counteract it, but all the other stuff we're doing is actually more toxic. So we're loading in toxins with loads and toxins with loads and toxins, rather than going, right, let's freshen everything up, let's get our livers working really healthily, let's get the kidneys working really well, blah, 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 and then our skin will be glowing and then we'll not need to do this
0: exactly and like obviously for me medication has really 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 um helped my mental health but do you think from your point of view um there can be like dietary changes well made to kind of enhance your your moods and stuff absolutely there's I mean, there's studies out
1: just now oh yeah you're back um there's studies out just now that show the effect that i've lost but, you again <laughs> oh, i'll wait for you to come back. <laughs> Here you are. Oh, there you yeah. are, I got you. Yeah. Okay. So um, we know now that the your uh, gut microbiome has a huge impact on your emotions, on your moods, on your ability to deal with things. If we're eating processed foods, that gut microbiome dies off and then we have a really almost singular strain. We really need a diverse um, makeup of gut, gut microbiome. So we get good... Good, healthy bacteria from when we eat fruit and vegetables, ideally if we've grown them in organic soil so that those bacteria are on the skin if they're not being sprayed with pesticides. Um, If you eat grains that help feed the bacteria, if you're eating things like kimchi and kombucha and kefir and sauerkraut so that that can feed all the bacteria and that can give you a good diverse range of bacteria in your gut, that will then have a positive impact on mental health because we've shown there's links between depression, anxiety, I'm sure autism, ADHD, ADD, all of these problems are linked to poor gut, gut
0: microbiome, mm-hmm. autoimmune diseases are the same. That's so interesting. So sometimes when I think that my diet is completely clean, like I said before, I go through phases of just chicken, rice, broccoli, even though I'm being so clean, it's probably too restrictive then so i'm probably not getting enough fruit and veg and stuff it's probably about just diversifying the clean even though you're going clean it's about diversifying that isn't it
1: yeah it's about having a good range of foods in there because if you are only eating one type of food all the time so if you're only eating chicken broccoli and rice yeah okay you're getting some a a good protein carbs some nutrients in there but there's no diversity there's you need to have a wide range. So that's why everything in moderation is so much better than something high, highly.
0: Colour as well, right? I think I missed yeah. colour, I tell Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Colours are the rainbow so that you're getting a good mix of all your vitamins, all your minerals, all your antioxidants, and your body's just constantly learning if you because if you overeat one particular food your body then becomes desensitized to other things and it doesn't know how to process other things so if you then all of a sudden start eating there's a lot of people that can't eat like lentils and pulses but if you prepare them in a particular way so if you soak them so that you start to activate the natural enzymes in them they're much more digestible but you can't go right i don't eat lentils or chickpeas or anything like that so i'm just going to activate them and then just start eating loads of them you're you're Mm. I won't be able to you would start with a tablespoon and let your body go right we need to trigger these enzymes to break that down and do this and do that and then the next week you maybe have two tablespoons and just gradually build it up and it's the same if you're doing big switches your body gets really confused
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and it takes time for it to adapt Mm -hmm. and like because you you do competition like bodybuilding competitions so for 12 weeks or whatever you're doing your bulking and you're cutting. Your body will adapt to that, and then all of a sudden you're switching it, which is why you
0: can bulk up and you lean down. Quickly, absolutely. But then again, there's a damaging fact to that as well, which I, yeah. again I talked about is that when you've stopped restricting, you just throw in all the bad food again because you've you've missed it so much. But your body yeah. goes what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you really it is a struggle to kind of change. You know? Yeah. Which is the interesting thing about
1: the bodybuilding competition So obviously that's become massive recently. In the last five, ten years, it's become mainstream almost. I know loads of people that do bodybuilding competitions, whereas ten years ago when I first started working in the fitness industry, I maybe knew one person, and it's like the other person does it. And you had mentioned before, earlier on, I can't remember if it was before we recorded or after we started about, it was for you, bodybuilding
0: was permission to have a disorder of eating that's that's
1: absolutely
0: absolutely, everything yeah that's the best way that you phrased it it's like permission to talk about my problems with eating it's it's not dealing with the problem again it's just masking it so it's probably not the same for everybody but yeah for me like super restrictive eating became like a way of, of coping with and there's been various points in my life and I look back and I think yeah I did it then I did it then I did it then you know super restrictive it's like my wee thing of control and weighing out my food that meticulously and sticking to a plan is something that I could talk about because it was bodybuilding do you know
1: yeah and then a lot of people will look at bodybuilding as well and see it as something that's really healthy because these people all look almost athletic they're really lean and they don't realize that that's not actually not sustainable and it's not actually healthy loads of people number of people that you hear that die post-competition because some of them have been taking steroids so there's heart failure dehydration malnourishment
0: and I think again there's no real regulation with regards to and again this is just off-the-radar people who can coach people so for me You know, I was taken through quite a a hefty, intense process, my first competition prep, where I water loaded the body. So I pushed so much water in the week before. And then I uh, obviously peed and peed and dehydrated my body so that I peaked when I was on stage. However, no one at all warned me of the dehydration factor there. So the following day, I was very unwell. Yeah. Um, that hype and all that build up and all that water loading and stress on your body, and I was a fever shivering mess, and and I didn't know what was wrong. And you know, literally, the doctor was like, "You're dehydrated." Yeah. And to think, I was just all caught up in the hype and the process that I forgot this is my body, and I only get one. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And even the the water log in your body, that in itself is dangerous. Like too much, too much of anything bad. Too much oxygen is bad. Too much water is bad. Too much food, you name it it's bad so there's even a danger in putting too much water into your body you, there people have drowned from taking too much water on
0: board and you're like you don't think about it because you're like it's just water water's good for me mm-hmm. however the body's not used to getting so many liters and uh, yeah i think that i'm not saying that it's wrong because i would love to compete again but i just think there should be more chat about the, the, the dangers not just doing it you know yeah and better supports I me mean,
1: <laughs> the fitness industry is very unregulated like you say there's, anybody can be a coach anybody can say I'll put together a training plan for you I'll put together your diet plan and nobody's there saying this person's qualified or this person's not qualified or the
0: thing is as well with social media it can become just like you say so easy to pop up and give somebody a plan and I'm not denying that some of these people can get people into incredible shape but at what cost
1: yeah yeah, and some people are highly educated and are doing it in a really safe manner, but there's always those people that aren't. Mm-hmm. So if there's anybody listening to this that's thinking about doing it, check the
0: check the qualifications of the person you're working with. Absolutely, people who've worked with them. Absolutely, I would I would exactly say that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. This has been so good. We've covered so much stuff.
1: <laughs> You've gone off in so many tangents. I know.
0: We covered Cold Building and Dirty Shore. All sorts. Ah, it's been so good. So if people want to check out what you're doing, where is the best place for them to find you? So if they want to look at anything we're doing, it's the empoweredwomenproject.co.uk and we're the Empowered Women Project on all social media, Twitter, uh, Instagram, um, yeah, things like that. And there's loads of ways people can get involved as well and help us do random acts of kindness. Um, Yeah, there's just, uh, there's loads of ways to get involved or you can contribute your own story as well.
1: Cool. I will put all those links into the show notes so that people can get in touch with you and find you and see all the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Jen. It's been lovely. Back to you yeah so you are totally a warrior woman in my eyes so thank you so much for the work that you're doing and also for taking some time to share with us today
0: no problem thank you thank you thank you thank
1: you how amazing was that podcast with Mandy thank you so much to her for giving us her time to have a chat so remember to check out her links if you want to sign the petition that she's got going or if you want to see about any of the other work that she has out there. And remember to head over to SoundCloud or to iTunes so that you can give us a little bit of love uh, or a five-star review if you're on iTunes. Share the podcast with anyone that you think that needs to hear this. A lot of that information and a lot of the story that Mandy shared with us is so, so important. Suicide prevention, if you can have that conversation with one person, You never know the difference it's going to make. So until the next podcast, have an awesome week.